This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 51. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited, not only for this week's guest, Tracy Kuchlow, the author of the Zero to Five book for parents that's like the most beautiful coffee table book you could ever have, but also because I get to announce to you a brand new free offer for parents that's going to take place at the end of August. It's a 10-day program called Hashtag Joyful Courage 10, and the whole purpose is to support parents in one, defining who it is they want to be as a parent, not just when things are going well, but when things get challenging, because I don't know, if you're like me, then you've got the common-centered parent that lives inside of you, and then you've got the other parent who doesn't always show up so great when she is feeling emotionally triggered, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So this 10-day program is really about supporting parents in being intentional around showing up as their calm-centered parent even when it's hard to do. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to the Joyful Courage website, www.joyfulcourage.com slash JC10 and check out the offer. That web address again is www.joyfulcourage.com slash JC10. That is the page where you can go and you can sign up to be a part of the free offer and you will be prompted to send a text message that will get you in on um, all the text messaging support that's going to be happening with the offer as well. That's the really cool thing because I know sometimes it takes too long to get on Facebook or too long to check emails, but we're all checking our text messages. So this 10-day offer is all about harnessing the ease and convenience of text messaging in a way to support you on your journey, on your declared journey of showing up as your best with your children. So last time, that webpage is www.joyfulcourage.com, all one word, slash 
JC10. I'm so excited to see what you think about that. Please, please, please take a look-see and sign up. All right. Now on to the show. Again, Tracy Kuchlow is my guest. She is best-selling author of Zero to Five. She also writes, um, as she'll mention, in the Huffington Post and Washington Post. And, you know, she's just an all-around knowledgeable lady. And we're going to talk about her book as well as what it means and how to instill growth mindset in our youngest children. So starting from the beginning. I'm so excited about this show. Love to hear your thoughts. Let's meet Tracy. Hi there, Tracy. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. Thank you. Please tell the listeners about yourself and your family and what you do out in the world. Yeah, I am the author of a book for first-time parents called Zero to Five, uh, 70 Essential Parenting Tips Based on Science. And I write about parenting on my blog and in places like the Huffington Post and the Washington Post. And I am uh, just very passionate about making sure that parents get this very important information and have the support that they need in, in this uh, transition to parenthood. Yeah, those first few years, right? And you are in it with them. I am. I have a four-year-old daughter, Geneva, and I live in Seattle here with uh, my husband, Luke. Yeah, nice. So when you were writing the book, were you, when did you start writing the book? Were you pregnant with Geneva or was it during those, that first year? She was six months old when I started. Yep. 18 months old when I finished. Okay. Nice. So that was a crazy time. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Well, it's crazy anyway, not to mention like, oh, and by the way, I'm writing a book. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I can imagine it getting kind of crazy there. So, and the book is so beautiful. I mean, it's not just that it's really helpful and full of really, you know, it's just, it's really well spoken. I think that there's, I mean, I'm looking on my, at my shelf right now and I have so many parenting books mm-hmm. and, um, and I love them. I'm a collector apparently. And, uh, <laughs> Me too. yeah, but your book, you know, each page is a different, concept or tool and it's just the way that it's all laid out is so simple and easy and I feel like in the end even if you just read one you know pick it up open it up read one page there's this feeling of like oh yeah I got this and it's so beautiful I mean the binding and the pictures and the layout I was saying before we hit record um, listeners that it's you know I kind of tease my parents that come to class and say, ah, my partner won't read. And I'll say, oh, leave, leave the book by the toilet. But (laughs) I would never leave your book by the toilet, Tracy. (laughs) It's so pretty. It needs to be like on the coffee table, you know, because it's just so beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes on how people can get it too. That sounds good. Um, Yeah, the format is definitely the special thing about it. Um, I, and I think even though it was hard to start writing a book when my baby was so young, I think that is what made me realize that new parents do not have the mental space for anything more than, you know, one tip per page. And you don't really want it to feel like homework. You want the information, right. but um, 
Too many words are just so overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it is. And were you passionate about the format and how it would look in the end? Was that something that you were keeping in mind as you wrote? Oh, absolutely. Nice. Yes, that was that was the idea. Um, because, you know, I knew this. there was this great information out there, um, great research related to parenting, but you... And you might, you might read all of those books when you're pregnant and then kind of forget what they say or feel like you don't have time to dig back through and figure out exactly how to apply the research, mm-hmm. you know? Um, with a newborn, I really just wanted the how-to. I just wanted to tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, and today, specifically, we're going to talk about um, – helping our youngest children develop a growth mindset, which I'm really so excited about. Um, And before we go there, though, let's touch a little bit on development. So what I often find myself telling parents is um, when kids are, when their kids are really little, they're really moving through a developmental landscape. And often what shows up as inconvenient, um, often what shows up is inconvenient. (laughs) (laughs) Or misinterpreted (laughs) by parents, right? Because it's like, oh my gosh, I've told them so many times not to jump on the couch. And I'll say, yes, and everything inside of that little person's body is telling him to explore and jump and move big with his body. And that voice sometimes can be louder than the parent voice. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit into what's happening developmentally for our youngest kids? (laughs) It's kind of a huge question, right? (laughs) <laughs> it is. Um, but I really love this concept of, of the landscape uh, that they're that they're moving through. Um, yeah, the, it, the development is just not in some linear fashion that that we might hope where we can say things one time and then they suddenly get it and, you know, have this adult level of self-regulation. Um, I was thinking about how how kids even cycle back through phases of development that they've already been through. Like mm-hmm. even with infants, you know, maybe your, your baby rolls over for the first time and then you don't see it again for a while. Um, but yeah, it's easy for us to think they've done this once. I've told them this once mm-hmm. they should be able to do it every time. Um, Right. And it's funny, it's funny too, because, you know, when they get up on their wobbly legs and take a few steps and fall down, everybody cheers. Right. Right. And then they try it again and they fall and they try again and however many times and we're cheering yet when it becomes like, I already told you, you need to clean up. And, you know, all of a sudden it becomes this, like, I've told you once we've tried this once. Why aren't you a master at it? Mm hmm. And I think that that's true as they get older, too, but especially when they're little, because they're also, you know, falling apart and it's just the beginning of that process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This this image of getting up and and falling down is is a good one, because it's really what kind of what turns um, information into into kind of innate knowledge is action, Mm -hmm. repeated action over and over. And so, um, you know, it's that, that baby's act of trying to stand up again and again, um, that's 
creating the learning that's moving that knowledge uh, from the prefrontal cortex into the parts of the brain that are um, more automatic. And so it, yeah, it's not us telling them to stand up or lecturing about anything that does it. It's, it's that repeated action for them. Yeah. And then what about, you know, the all, all, can you hear all the background noise that's happening in my life right now? I'm sorry. (laughs) My son, oh my gosh, my son is coming in and going out and slamming doors. I'm like, oh my God. Oh no. Speaking of how many times do I have to tell you, right? This is real life (laughs) listeners. This is real life. Um, but what about, you know, I've, you know, the whole, um, Eric Erickson's model around, you know, 18 months to to three years old. It's that that whole autonomy exploration and who, yeah. you know, who what is this world around me and what happens when I do this? And, you know, like I say, sometimes it's it can feel inconvenient because, you know, they are showing us that they are testing out their independence and and recognizing that their wants might be different than our wants, or at least they want what they want. I really, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I really like how, um, how scientist Alison Gopnik puts it, that, that children are the research and development division of our species. (laughs) And it's really their, yeah, trying all this stuff out, figuring out how to be in this world is really one of their main tasks. And they, Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories and laughs. You all know Alana, our 
co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes. Perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. They start out really not knowing anything about the physical world, Mm -hmm. Um, but they're experimenting and they're failing fast and they're remembering. Um, And that's really kind of from a 30,000 foot perspective the way that that our species can succeed, no matter what the physical world is that they they happen to enter into mm-hmm. as children. But then, yeah, for us, like day to day, what that looks like is, you know, our toddlers want to know how these scissors work and they want right. to they want to watch us break the egg when we're cooking and they want to turn the screwdriver when we're fixing the knob on the dresser and all these things that that we think they they shouldn't be doing. Um or they want to zip up their own coats, you know, and that is so agonizing. <laughs> yeah. Or they want to throw their food on the ground or they want to stick the fork in the, in the socket, <laughs> which is not yes, them being naughty, <laughs> right? It's not them being naughty. It's just right, them following right. their developmental desires, right? Well, and really imperative. Yeah. 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 And how we respond so their natural development sends them so many messages, right? And and then they develop those messages or they take those messages and those messages get developed into beliefs about themselves and their world and their role in it, which kind of leads us into this growth mindset piece, right? It does, yeah. Um, yeah, because our kids are, are so highly attuned to us and looking for us to uh, – at us – for those messages. Um, so, you know, like when they, when they're struggling to zip up their coat, do we smile and kind of nod encouragingly and then only help them when they ask, or do we just reach over and say, let me do that? Um, you know, one message is you're trying, you're capable of doing this. And the other message is, well, don't bother trying because you, you're not capable. Yeah. You're too little. I'll do it. It's easier for mama to do it. When mm-hmm. I know Jane Nelson, the author of Positive Discipline, she talks about how, you know, when our kids are, are real little and they want to help out with household chores, sometimes we'll say, oh, no, no, it's okay. I'll do it. You go watch, you know, go watch your show and I'm going to get this done. And then when they become school age and we say, you need to help out around the house, they say, oh, no, I'm good. I'm just going to sit over here and watch my show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Instead exactly. of embracing, not, and that's not to say that, oh, toddlers and preschoolers that help out with chores are these fabulous school-age and adolescents kids that love cleaning the house like no no but when it becomes you know kind of like I'll say common language right it's just the Mm -hmm. way we are as a family you know we encourage each other we 
have faith and trust in each other's capabilities and we help out, you know, it mm-hmm. does make it easier foundationally later on. Um, so, yeah, go, yeah ahead. go ahead. Okay. So, and I think that loving, we're all loving, well-meaning parents, right? And we're just That's exhausted right. and there's yes. a lot of stuff to do. Right. And we got to keep them safe as they're like exploring the middle of the road or (laughs) or really fascinated with, you know, power outlets and sharp things. You know, that is their natural curiosity. And we have a responsibility to keep them safe. Right. And keeping our own sanity intact. Where is what we expect from toddlers and preschoolers? misaligned with what's developmentally appropriate what would you think what do you say about that well I think that um we almost expect them not to be curious like if we say no don't touch that we expect them to just leave it alone um and I think you know obviously we can't let our kids stick forks in the socket but we can talk to them about, we can show them the thing that they're interested in and and tell them about how it works Mm -hmm. and about how that's really um, for adults only. And so I'm going to keep you safe and, and put this away. Um, Yeah, I think there's a balance where we can, instead of just completely shutting them down and saying no, 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 um, to try to indulge their curiosity at a level that's appropriate. Um, but in terms of this bigger question of, of our expectations being misaligned, I think there's so many, <laughs> there's so many misalignments. I know. Um, well, and I was just recently working with a client and um, with a couple and they spoke into, you know, and when we try to go to the coffee shop and, and meet with friends, the toddler makes it really difficult for them to <laughs> to visit with their friends, you know, yeah. and and you know they came from a really heartfelt place and a really, you know, it just made me realize that being immersed in the parenting world and having been a teacher prior to that has given me some extra knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And but when we aren't mm-hmm. when we don't understand or, or aren't privy to child development and information about what's appropriate for that age, it is confusing, right? It can be frustrating for parents. So like Absolutely. in that case, I think it's a really obvious like, well, <laughs> how yeah, are you engaging right. the 18 year old? The 18 month old isn't just going to sit there, right? <laughs> yes, I think, um, yeah, you, you, you know, so much about your life has to change. But, I, but um, yes, you know, meet, meet at the playground instead of the coffee shop. Right. <laughs> Right. And don't expect that your child will toddle off and play by himself even. No, no. Um, no, it's true. And I, uh, it can be so hard to get this information. It's, it's one reason that, that my book is formatted the way it is. I also would love to see um, a parenting education incorporated into well child visits at your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, we're all so busy. Where do we get this information that is so useful to have? Um, I think one of the one of the major misalignments is that we we think our kids don't have a good reason for behaving a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, like we think they're 
they're being disrespectful or, you know, we already told them so many times or they shouldn't want what they want. Um, I remember, I remember my daughter wanted me to peel an orange for her. She must've been, she must've been 18 months or two years. And, and then I made the, the fatal mistake of also breaking it into segments. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's just all of these things that, um, that we think are, are silly, but are so important to our kids. And I really love, um, I love the way that, that, parenting coach Sandy Blackard puts this, which is that every behavior is trying to meet one of three healthy needs, experience, power, or connection. And I think that lens is so useful um, because it's simple to remember and it gets us out of this this approach that our child is trying to, you know, manipulate yeah yeah they're trying to yeah they're trying to well I like that too experience power and connection and I think that something that comes up a lot on the podcast that I end up talking about with many many guests is the power of relationship and how Mm. you know so many um challenges that we're having with our kids can be remedied simply by strengthening relationship, spending one-on-one time, giving. And, you know, parents are real quick to say, well, all they want is attention. And, and or they do that for attention. And, and uh, my, I heard my mentor, Jody McVitie, say once, um, or I think that's where I heard it, somebody said it, um, that children long for connection and will settle mm-hmm. for attention. And I really, I love passing that on because it kind of shifts the mindset of parents too. That mm-hmm. because attention, there's, I don't know, there's like a this negative, like, ah, you're yeah. draining me. I have to give you so much attention. But when we talk about connection, you know, then for me, like all of a sudden, even when I just said that, it it expanded my heart. Right? Yeah. It's about being in relationship and loving relationship with the other person. So. Yeah, and I that, like that. Yeah, that is so beautiful. And um, the power piece too. Oh my gosh, that well, cannot I, be understated. No, <laughs> or overstated. I don't know what the right yeah. word is, but yeah. Um, well, and I think I think the hard part for us is to be able to find those in the moment. You know, there's there's sitting with our kid on our lap and reading a story and really being present. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one way of giving, you know, feeding that connection. Mm-hmm. But then what do we do in a tough moment? Um, and how do we interpret that? And I was thinking about um, these times when I would try to, I would be trying to take a nap and my my daughter would come up and kind of start hitting me. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that through this lens of, you know, I'm being disrespected here, mm-hmm. then maybe your response is, you know, hey, you don't hit me, you know, like what's wrong with you? Or, right. you know, or you just, your back's up, you, you might even want to get physical. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it through this lens of, okay, which of these needs is she trying to meet right now? Um, then you can respond more like, oh, 
you want to play and you hit me to get my attention. Um, you know, like, okay, if I think about this, we haven't spent that much time together today and now I'm trying to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, okay. Ah, you want to play, you know, this doesn't really work for me. Right. You can, you can get my attention this way. Um, but yeah, it completely changes the way that you respond and yeah. then the way that you're creating or breaking that connection with your child. Yeah. Engage, don't enrage, as Dan Siegel says. I love that. <laughs> um, and I think that that's really powerful, too. I think that we forget that our kids don't come with prior knowledge around how to connect, how to navigate big, huge emotions that seem to show up and whisk them out into a sea of despair. They don't have, just because we tell them, you need to calm down, we're assuming <laughs> that they have the tools that they need to calm down, and they they don't. I mean, and what, some of the times yeah, we are don't. remodeling. <laughs> yeah, what right. are we? Hello. How to calm down? <laughs> totally. So, so we've got some. You know, there's some misalignment between what we expect and where they are developmentally. And so, like I said earlier, the way we respond, I'm guessing. Well, I know yeah, yeah, that the yeah. way that we, re we respond can be an opportunity for developing this idea around growth mindset. And so if, a, if there's listeners out there and you're wondering, like, what is this growth mindset? Tracy, what would you say about what growth mindset is? Yeah, it, yeah, it is related to the, to the way that our responses uh, shape our children's perceptions of themselves. Um, but growth mindset is something that that was found by Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck. Um, she studied motivation and perseverance. And what she found was that kids generally fall into one of two categories, either this fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And a fixed mindset is where she, she tended to focus on intelligence. And so a fixed mindset is where you believe that um, you are born with a certain amount of intelligence and there's nothing you can really do to change that. And in the growth mindset, uh, kids would agree more with the statement that no matter who you are, you are able to change your level of intelligence. And those kind of fundamental beliefs um, are like these motivational frameworks for how we approach the world. And in the fixed mindset, um, because you believe that, that your traits are permanent, you are constantly afraid of being judged. And whether you're coming up short, you don't want to make mistakes, you want to prove yourself over and over. Um, and so what that does is is it reduces your level of motivation and perseverance, the amount of effort that you're willing to put into something, and your interest in taking on new challenges. And, and with the growth mindset, um, it's the opposite. You have increased motivation and increased uh, interest in taking on new challenges. 
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you you listen to your podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. So it's important because, as you can imagine, um, that affects, you know, achievement in school. Um, really, the way that you um, really being able to, to persevere and take on any new challenge, which is kind of what life is about. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, and I think, too, about the kids that are willing to fail and say, oh, what can I, how can I take this information and make it better? How can I try this again, slightly different rather than, oh, I suck at this. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. As yeah. the kids get older, they, that perception around, can I keep trying or I'm not even going to try because I already know what the result is going to be. Exactly. And so how soon should parents be thinking about growth mindset, would you say? Well, you can, you can think about it um, as early as even age one. Um, what, what Carol Dweck found was that the way that we talk with our kids um, predicts which mindset they'll have. And that has to do with um, acknowledgement versus praise. Mm -hmm. And so we can definitely focus on 
acknowledgement instead of praise, even, yeah, starting as early as one, she found that that praise at age one predicted mindset at, at six or seven. And I think, you know, I think that's because we parents just tend to get into a habit of the way that we talk with our kids. Mm -hmm. So if we can kind of teach ourselves um, early on, then the benefits of that accumulate. So will you make the distinction between praise and acknowledgement when you talk about praise? Yeah. Yeah. Praise, praise is, um, generally making it about you <laughs> like, Oh, I loved that you did this thing. Look how good you are at that. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas acknowledgement is more just a statement of what just happened. There's no judgment in it. Um, like, oh, you did that. You look proud. Right. So it, like with the example of the, the, the new toddler, right, up on their feet and they fall down. So one praise would be, oh, you're so big or good job versus you just took three steps. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah, or the then... baby rolling over like, well done versus you rolled over. Like we exactly. can still celebrate it. We can still be joyful in our speech, right? Your tone celebrates it. Yeah. 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 So, but you're just, um, yeah, commenting on what just happened. And so you're really letting them feel the, that pride in having done this thing. How does empathy show up in the development of growth mindset, would you say? Well, I think that that fostering a growth mindset really requires empathy because um, to be able to respond thoughtfully, we, we need to notice what just happened, you know? Um, uh, yesterday, my daughter, she was, we were drawing and she was tracing her hand and the pen kept drifting away from her fingers. And she looked up at me and she said, you do it because you're better at it. I keep messing up. Mm. And I think, I think a natural response, you know, I almost wanted to say like, no, what are you talking about? Don't say that, you know, right. you're doing an awesome job. Um, but really that's kind of steamrolling her feeling with my feeling. And, and what that would do is she would end up feeling the need to defend her position until she felt like I heard her. Mm -hmm. But empathy um, allows me to stay to say instead, you know, oh, oh, sweetie, that didn't turn out the way you wanted. You know, why don't you try again? And then she feels acknowledged and she is more open to try again, mm -hmm. which in this case yesterday she did. And she said, oh, see, I, I messed this up again. Mm -hmm. But then she said, it's OK, uh, I'll just block this and then she kind of came up with this solution of coloring in the parts that she didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, so that was such a cool example to see her kind of practicing this growth mindset. Um, and I, I wouldn't have been able to facilitate that without empathy. Right. So what about the parents that are listening who are already thinking like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I'm getting this information right now. Right. I what are some, and 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 I we just want to say to listeners like there's no end there's no window closing right right like, there's no I mean it's 
you know, if we are parents of teens and we realize like, gosh, I really haven't spent the effort or intention to foster, help my child nurture this idea of growth mindset, it might be a little bit more challenging than it is to start off day one there. However, it is always available and it's really what I'm hearing you say and what I know to be true as well is it's just small tweaks in language and and recognizing too, I think this is so fascinating, when we become more aware of like, do we believe in our kids? You know, when you sit down with your child to tackle math homework and you sit down knowing that it's going to be a fight and that they don't want to do it and they have a hard time with math, are we showing, like, is there energetically a way that we're showing up with our kids that is fostering or continuing to kind of facilitate this idea of this is too hard, I can't do it, I'm not smart, I'm not good at math, mm-hmm. right? So to those listeners... Yes. I well, I almost, I know, play. I almost hate to say this about age one. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But no, and actually there's such, there is such a great study that was done out of Columbia where um, researchers wanted to know, could they fix a fixed mindset? Like, could they turn, turn um, it around? Uh, yeah. And what and, happened? Well, did so they, they yes? took these kids. What? Did they say yes? Was the answer yes? <laughs> well, let me tell this story. <laughs> okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, go ahead. Well, they took these kids who were transitioning from sixth grade into seventh because perfect. Um, that's such a, a tough time, you mm-hmm. know, out of elementary school into your support networks get broken up. There's a lot more comparison and and um, school's getting harder. Mm-hmm. And so they were looking at math scores and they found that kids with the, who already had a growth mindset were pulling ahead of, in their math classes um, compared to the kids who had a fixed mindset. And so the intervention that they devised was to talk with the kids about how the brain is like a muscle. And the more that you use it, the stronger it gets. And that... Uh, whenever you learn something new, your brain is forming these connections um, between neurons. And as you do that, that thing, as you practice again and again, you are strengthening that connection. Um, and so everything that you learn makes you smarter. Um, and they read this whole article about this and they discussed it and... They also talked with the kids about how important mistakes are. Mm. They had them think about something that they've learned to do well and to think about, you know, how bad they had been at it at the beginning, but it was the practice and actually making a lot of mistakes that allowed them to get good at this thing. Um, And they did these over four sessions that were only 25 minutes each completely reversed that decline in the grades. And the amazing thing was that um, they were just working with the students on this. They didn't teach it to the parents. They didn't talk about it to the teachers. It wasn't a message that the kids had to get 100% across their lives for it to be very powerful. Mm -hmm. So there you go, listeners. All is not lost. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's never it's never lost it's never lost <laughs> our brains are lost. so malleable yeah they are and you know that's what I love I don't know if you've read the whole brain child by mm-hmm. Dan Siegel I talk about that book a lot but there's yeah. something so powerful when you teach children about their brain Yep. And how it works. And there's some really simple, like you don't need to like label every single part. There's just some really simple language around teaching them, you know, where their executive functioning lives and where their emotions live and how sometimes when we get really upset or mad or scared, we lose our executive functions. It makes sense that we fall apart and have meltdowns. And here's some tips for how to come back to that thinking brain I just Mm -hmm. I love it and when my daughter started sixth grade in our district there's was a big push around growth mindset and all the I don't know if all the teachers but many teachers read Carol Dweck's book and uh Rowan my daughter came home and and she because I've been talking about the brain with her you know I'm Mm -hmm. and Dan's work and Rowan said well mom we talked about the brain today in school and it was so validating, you know, because your kids are like, whatever, mom. And then they right. go to school and this teacher that they adore is like, let me tell you about your brain. And uh. she comes home and is all excited. And it was just what you said. It was exactly what you said. She talked about how every time we practice a new skill, the neuropathways become insulated and and it, and it just gets quicker and easier. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and you know, uh. to take it even one step further, because... Um, you know, a lot of parents that come to me typically show up and say, I want to be different for my kids. You know, I snap or I yell Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be that way. And the analogy that I have used is because we live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. I talk about how, well, you know, when you go to your favorite hiking trail and the trail is really well established because thousands of people have walked it before you and you barely, you know, you don't have to look to know where you're going. And then if you start to pay attention off to the sides, you might see a game trail. And if you start using the game trail over time, that path is going to become more laid while the old path is going to kind of grow over. Nice. Yeah, right? I was super proud when I came up with that. (laughs) I was like, how about that? Um, But same kind of thing, right? I mean, the more that we practice, if we're in the practice, which I love taking us back to, I don't know if we hit record yet or not, but... Um, when working with parents with really young kids and it becomes just like, oh my gosh, how many times do I have to say the same thing over and over? Mm -hmm. The answer is a lot. A lot. A lot. (laughs) Yes. And that is what- Also to try to incorporate the action, not just the words. Right. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, um, one one concept I love is the do-over. I love like the do-over. Her, yeah. <laughs> maybe your your preschooler hits her friend and, you know, you could say a billion times, we use gentle hands. Right. But you could also say, um, let's have a do-over and then and then show me how you would how you would teach treat your friend gently or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're they kind of have fun going back and doing this, but that action, that physical action is also what helps insulate those neuro pathways. And I think those are great for parents calling yeah. a do-over. I oh, think yeah. those are great for our adolescent <laughs> kids and our teens and our school age. I think do-overs are so fabulous and really being, like you said, in the action, in the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so awesome. 
Thanks, Tracy. I'm so glad yeah. that you came on the podcast Me to talk too. about all this good stuff. <laughs> my last, fun. yeah, my last question for you that I ask all my guests is, mm -hmm. what do you think of when you think of joyful courage? Joyful courage. Well, well, courage, uh, to me, that is about taking action, um, like feeling the emotions that we'd rather hide or mm. messing up but trying again or being vulnerable with a friend or um, truly accepting our kids for who they are, um, having the courage to do the hard things. Mm -hmm. um, but the joy, I think, is about deciding to have a, a lightness about it, um, you know, looking for the good instead of the bad and being playful. Mm. And I think, you know, when we forget those things, we can just look to our kids because they are definitely the masters of joyful courage. Definitely. Not in every moment, but in a lot of moments. <laughs> <laughs> in, in yes, <laughs> I love that. And, and, you know, even the way that you shared your thoughts around that like made me think you know does growth growth being having growth mindset really requires being courageous yeah right and yeah. bringing lightness and playfulness into that into that courageous moment into that like moment of failure and moving on holding right. that because I think about my I love my little guy but man he has big emotions and sometimes they railroad him yeah and uh and it's not light and it's not playful. And if he could just figure out, and we talk lots about it, but if he could just figure out how to find his lightness in those moments, it would help him turn that corner so much quicker. But enough yeah, about I me. It's so, you know, it is hard. I know there have been times where Geneva and I are really butting heads and, and it's just, you feel like, you know, uh, they're misbehaving. And if I suddenly, you know, would do something fun that's going to kind of reward this this behavior and I don't want to do that um but actually it just instantly turns things around for yeah. everybody yeah it's a good thing connection is never a reward connection is should be a given right mm -hmm. not something to hold back or to <laughs> use as a carrot it's just something that should be there Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Tell my listeners where they can find you and your work. And I'm going to put yeah. all the links in the show notes, everyone, so you don't have to take notes. But tell us okay. where we can find you, Tracy. Yes. My website is 0to5.net, spelled out Z-E-R-O-T-O-F-I-V-E.net. And uh, people can sign up there to get one good parenting tip per week. Ooh, awesome. um, and then also you can find out more about my book, Zero to Five. And I'm, I'm so proud Parents Magazine called it the coolest and easiest book for new parents. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And you have a Facebook page too, Zero to Five Facebook page, right? Zero to Five book. Yep. Zero to Five book. Are you on any other social media? I am on Twitter at zero to five book as well. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Casey. Have fun with that uh, cute four-year-old of yours. And we'll talk again <laughs> soon. I will. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye.
Hey, so there you have it. Wisdom from Tracy Kuchlow. I'm so glad that she took time to come and be on our show. If you have not checked out her book, get it. The link is in the show notes and it is just, it's so beautiful and it's so helpful and it's not, you know, really small print and super duper thick. It's really, really applicable and easy to read and you can just pick it up, open to whatever page, read it out, you know, read read about whatever the topic is on that page and feel as though you have something to play with with your kids. So hoping that you're taking away some good morsels from this show. Just want to remind you of the offer that I mentioned at the very beginning. The Joyful Courage 10 program will begin in August and you are invited to join us. Please come check it out. At the very least, go to the, um, the website, joyfulcourage.com slash JC10 will give you the details of the program and will get you to um, the place for registering. So if you are interested in that, if you're interested in um, going beyond just listening to the podcast and doing some work, um, intentional practice in your parenting, check it out. I designed it for you, man. Come on. Join me and countless other parents who have already played around with this Joyful Courage 10 program and are loving it. You'll see their testimonials on the webpage as well. Um, also, if you have any questions regarding content from the from the um, podcast or anything you see on the website and you want more information, always know that you can email me. Casey at joyfulcourage.com is my email. Casey at joyfulcourage.com, and that comes directly to me. I'd love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, all of it. So feel free to do that. All right. Well, hoping that you are having beautiful, long summer days with your family and uh, looking forward to meeting again on next week's podcast. Until then, happy parenting. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.